Welcome to Roscoat's Powder Coater Podcast. I am your co-host, Kim Scott. Our weekly podcast interviews influencers in the industry and covers trending topics so powder coaters can effectively learn and grow their business. This week's question, how do you track money generation? Are you a money maker or a money breaker? Today's guest is the owner of a company that supports you with the best strategies for the financial side of your business. She is an accomplished QuickBooks expert and has many years of experience and certifications behind her, which she brings to today's interview. But that's not all she's brought with her, as you will see. So let's get ready to level up your powder coater game. So who are we talking to today? We are talking to Linda and Steve Schilling. And Linda has been in the accounting industry for, I guess, 30 years now, right? Is that what it's Just maybe little, more or less? Other than that, we don't want to date me too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everybody knows Steve on um, the group chats and forums and stuff like that. Uh, deep stage coding and you have also started your own youtube channel which i am it's i've listened to every single one and uh, or watched every single one and it's a challenging thing uh to do and i commend you for it because they're turning out really nice i like i like what you're doing uh, not just with the youtube but with the powder coating part of it i'm i'm, I'm just starting out myself it's yeah I'm learning and watching the youtubes is helping and I'm not trying to be an expert. I'm, to be honest with you, I go back and watch Adam and say, okay, you screwed up there. Fix that next time. So <laughs> it's, it's so, always a learning curve with digital technology, right? You know, and platforms and stuff like that. And it's sometimes it's just, it's like powder coating. Sometimes you just need to go, get in there and make some mistakes. <laughs> oh, I'm good at that. <laughs> It's so funny not to get kind of sidetracked with powder coating because we're here to talk about accounting and some of the other stuff that, you know, other business topics. Um, But, you know, these guys that come on and ask questions on the Facebook groups and stuff, you know, it's like they're just so afraid to make mistakes. And I think it's really important uh, that the community kind of gather around them and say it's okay to make a mistake, you know. Um, that's how you learn faster, um, learn better, uh, learn everything, um, and learn it for yourself. Uh, one of the things that grabbed me about, um, the last podcast, which was, um, the one with Ashton Palmer was that that's how he learned. And it's hard, you know, it is challenging when you're working on such a big project to be making a huge failure like that. If you're doing like really big stuff. But at the same time, um, it's it shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. You should just get in there with confidence. And if you make a mistake, own it and and learn from it because you are that 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 electricity that binds you to the to the gun and the object and everything. It's all part of that. Um, it's 
all part of your own energy, right? I, I had never heard of Ashton until your, your podcast. And I immediately went to Instagram and started looking at his stuff. And, oh, man, I, I hope I can be as good as him someday. <laughs> his stuff is fire. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. um, I think what amazed me so much... Yeah. Yeah, what amazed me about that interview was that when he showed you some of the bigger projects, I mean, like the mentality it takes to go from, and when you're in a, when you're a batch coder or you're, you know, custom coder, we don't necessarily specialize like he does anymore, but like you're, you're taking on big jobs and you're taking on like the rim jobs and there's two different mentalities or mindsets and, and and protocols that you do with these large jobs versus these small ones. And I hadn't ever thought of that before. And my husband and, you know, it kind of created a lot of conflict uh, because I'm like saying yes to everybody, come in the door, come in the door, come in the door, but not really thinking about how you have to approach a project like a gator or railing differently than you do something delicate like an automotive part that requires taping and you know, some more detail work. So good lesson for me to learn too. Right. Um, she's, she's nodding off because. <laughs> yeah, I know. I spend it's, the time in the garage. She spends the time in here with the, uh, the 10 key calculator and, and customers files and stuff. So, and she's the one we're here for. Not me. And, and you know, it's not any different in my field either. I mean, there's a difference between a startup business and one that's been established and, and working for 10 years. And even still, they may not have their their books together correctly. And to come in, because they've either outgrown their system or they've gotten somebody in there who's really not made a disaster of it. Yeah, yeah that's so, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it happens yeah. A lot. It happens a yeah. Lot. Um, would you like me to tell you a little bit about what I do? And Yeah, I would like to know more about that, for sure. Get going. Um, I'm known in the corporate world as a controller or a probably more of an assistant CFO. Okay, so I'm, I'm operational and strategic, okay, in, in, the, in the business. I'm not just tactical, which is working on a keyboard all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I help the business owners to make decisions with their money. Um, but in order to make decisions, we have to have good books. If we don't yes. have good books, you're relying on bad information to make decisions and it, the failure rate is a lot higher. Um, so that's what I do. I've been in business for myself for nine years. I worked in corporate for well over 20 years. I'm not going to tell you how many. Um, wow. But, but um, and, you know, I managed a, a, a $70 million business, um, you know, here in Indiana and uh, worked, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle in my life. So um, what I do is I come into a, a a small business or a larger business, we determine what they need um, and set them up. If they want to have somebody work the books and then just use me for consulting on the side, um, I will train that person how to use that file. Mm -hmm. um, 
and how to, you know, charge things and where to put everything. So um, we come up with a process that works for the business. Um, so there's a system in place. And then everybody follows the system. And then the business owner can make better decisions. You, you, yeah. one, the one piece of the puzzle of a business that most business owners overlook, and it's because they're not familiar with it, is accounting. It's actually the management side. They're so busy doing things and guiding people and training and, and, and acquiring products and, and selling and selling and selling. They're trying to do everything. So that piece always gets put off, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge part of the business because you don't know if you're making money, why are you even doing it? You mean, well, you don't, you don't, you can't tell by what cash is in the bank, how much money you're making. It's, it's a three-legged stool. You've got production, you've got your, your management, and then you've got your finances and you have to have all three. And all three have to be equal or that stool's going to rock back and forth or it's going to fall over. That's a good point. Definitely. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm you know, in dirty hands. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun because when I first met her, I was working retail in charge of a mobile retail store on the NHL mm -hmm. circuit. And she worked in the accounting department in the same company. And during this one large event every year, they always take people from the company and they make them work in the stores so that they get an idea what right. the guys out in the field do. Yeah. I had this standing rule that people in the accounting department did not touch my money. They didn't work registers. I put them on the floor and made them deal with customers. And I got put in his store. <laughs> <laughs> she came up and I want to work a register. And I said, no, you're working the floor. Accountants can't touch my money they don't know accountants deal with books they don't deal with real money yeah so i put her on the floor and she hated me but well, halfway through the day she ended up on the, my on the register anyway. the marketing side and that actually yeah. is very common for accountants we're not very good at selling why right. do you think we choose to sit behind a computer we don't have to go out there and interact right. and try and sell products so uh, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. <laughs> that's an, a, that's a great that's a great love story. I love that story. Or <laughs> anyway, because I really look like an idiot out there on the floor. <laughs> I needed somebody to work the register. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in my own business now, I've gotten much better and much more, um, you know, much more out there than I used to be. So I have that third piece of the puzzle. Um, yeah, pretty well down now. I mean, our company took a pretty hard hit this year. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. <laughs> most of us did. Yeah, most yeah. did. And um you know, prior to that, 2019, 2018, uh 17. Uh, you know, I was trying to juggle every, as much as I could and and really started get into the I mean, Aside from the day-to-day, -day, I, I did the day-to-day -day with QuickBooks, and I still do today. I'm, I've got a little lax, I have to admit, because we've just started so many other products. The podcast takes a lot of time. Um, we moved. I mean, there was just many, many things to kind of... So I'm a little actually embarrassed because I'm much, much more on my game in QuickBooks and stuff um, than 
than I have been in the, you know, uh, you know, than I have been in the past. But um, well, acquiring business has become far more critical um, because of what has gone on. You know, getting out there and selling, 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 marketing, marketing, in order yeah, to be able to even get to that point where you can actually sit down and figure out where you are. You need cash coming in the door because you're starving right now. Right. And yeah. it's a big that vacuum. Happened that happened yeah. All my clients. And, you know, I mean, but, but I was really kind of proud of myself because of, for the first time we were actually, um, trying, we were actually relating sales, marketing and accounting. We were having that, uh, balance where we could look at the numbers, um, and we had formulas in place. We could, you know, input all of that, uh, and it could weave a story. And that's where I really like, um, how the accounting can transition into this marketing story. Uh, or sales story, or uh, the company story, because that's where you can really make strategic decisions about your business and where you're going. Um, other than that, we're just marketing and throwing stuff up, stuff up on social media, thinking, "Oh, a click is worth this, or a click is worth that." It's it's a lot of effort and not a lot of return um, and stuff. So that's where you can really kind of dive in. Um, and once you get that, you tease that story out of the numbers is where you really can get uh, real with your business, you know, and where, you, where you're taking it, where you want to go. The, the biggest, I think, hang up that most people have with, with uh, money is um, they, they look at it as I hate math. And unfortunately, the way our schools have taught us math um, has been really unfortunate because math is really telling and it is um it it tells a story and it's it's basically logic it's not so much i don't sit you know i'll have my calculator or my excel and i'll do my adding and multiplying whatever it needs to be done but that's just such a small part of it it's really looking at the numbers and saying what happened here this month why did this happen? Why did that happen? It tells a part of the story, but the team also tells the remaining part of the story. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so what happened? It, it brings up questions. How can we do this better? Um, how can we capitalize on this opportunity? Because we got this opportunity on the doorstep. And how can we get rid of the things that aren't serving us? So right. and yeah. that's, that's what your reports do. And there, there are three of them. Um, you had asked... Um, some questions about some of them. You want me to go ahead and start talking? Yeah, about let's, um, where, where do you want to start off? Um, uh, let's see, let's, well, let's start off right with the different reports. Okay, there's three reports you need every single month. My clients typically get between eight and 20, depending upon what they're tracking. Okay. okay. Um, so you have your balance sheet. You have your profit and loss, which is, as accountants know, that is an income statement. And then you have your cash flow statement, okay? Your balance sheet tells you what you own. That's your assets. What you owe, which is your liabilities. 
And what is your skin in the game, which is your equity? What have you put in and what have you taken out? And what have you made in the business? So those are the three parts of the balance sheet. Okay. Then you've got your profit and loss. Um, and I'm going to call it profit and loss because that's what QuickBooks calls it. Yeah. They were the ones who really started that and really they should know. But, um, but anyway. But in, in a lot of worlds, they call it P&L. P&L. What everybody, that's what they think of. So. Right. Anyway, so your your profit and loss tells you what did what did I make as far as what was my gross revenue? Okay. Then what did it cost me to produce that? That's your cost of goods sold. Um, and then your operating expenses, and those are what keeps the doors open. What is your rent, your utilities, your uh, office supplies, all that kind of stuff. And it brings you down to a bottom line of what I really made in the business. Um, we track percentages more than numbers. I mean, I look at percentages. I don't, I don't necessarily go and look at a number. I look at a percentage and say, is that a good percentage for this business or not? And compare percentages. And that's what you call a, a common sized financial statement where you take the percentages and you look at those. It puts it into perspective of something you can compare because you can't compare numbers because they go up and down, they fluctuate. Um, but so that's your, that's your profit and loss. Then you have your cash flow statement. Your cash flow statement says, what did I make and where did it go? Did it go into, did it go into investing? Did it go into financing or come out of financing? Or I mean, what was the, and it's only cash, it's not income. And that's where it confuses everybody. Yeah. It starts off with income, but it's not about income. It's only about cash. Where did the cash go? Where did it come from? So those are your basic threes. Now there's all kinds of other reports, but if you're not getting those three every month, you need to sit down and figure out how to do that because those are going to tell you what you're doing and what's going right and what's going wrong. And if you're not understanding them. Yeah. I mean, people with QuickBooks Online can print them out, but if you can't understand them, they're useless. Right. That's true. Um, uh, the one that I'm most familiar with is the profit and loss, just because it's related to taxes and stuff. And so I think that that's a myth or it's not a myth, but like, uh, yeah, I always geared it towards the end game for me was, okay, what are my write-offs or what do I not, you know, like towards my accountant, it's like, that's what I would focus on the, these reports for is just, or just the profit and loss. Um, it's just like, okay, what do I need to get that lower tax bracket or, you know, like to get that next write-off uh, kind of thing. And, and, and that's good. You should focus on that, but you should also, but that doesn't necessarily amount to or equal to profitability or whether your margins are in normal you know, should be. So I do want to talk about normal margins for powder coating. If you have that information, I know Steve's just getting started, but you know, one of the reasons why a lot of people get into powder coating is because, you know, it, it can lead, it, you know, it can be a very profitable business. Um, you know, 
trying to think of, oh, because I was going to pull up an example. Um, okay, so what is the standard? Okay, you have your revenue, you have your cost of goods sold, and then you have this one little line that says gross profit. That's before your operating expenses. Your gross profit will fluctuate, you know, very little, really, because that's what it costs you to produce the product. Only if you have some, you know, some certain situations that come that come across where, um, oh, maybe you had to have extra extra labor, um, right? And pay for extra labor um, at a higher rate, like subcontracting. Or mm -hmm. presser broke, and you, you had to outsource your well, plastic for a certain yeah. period of time. Okay. Right. Yeah. Those like kinds that. of things. But it should be pretty stable, and it should range for a a service like you guys are doing. It's considered manufacturing, so mm -hmm. somewhere between fifty and sixty. Oh no, fifty at forty and fifty percent. Somewhere in there. Service industries are usually a little higher. Um, you'd have a gross profit of sixty percent, which means your cost of goods sold was only forty percent. Right. Okay. Um. I'm not sure what the powder coating average is. Um, never even thought of looking it up, but I would say somewhere in the, you know, 35, 40% minimum area. Mm -hmm. Because there's there's not only, there's materials, but there's a, a lot of labor in there too as well. Um, but you can look at percentages like that, but then you also got to remember you got all those other expenses down below that you got to use to cover you, you know, that it's got to cover all of that to be able to make a profit. Um, your operating expenses should probably be no more than 25, 30%. Right. Okay. It's your rent, your utilities, office supplies, uh, administrative salaries. Um, and then brings you to the bottom line. I would say a good, healthy profit in your industry would be 10 to 15%. That's what I was thinking. Um, uh, you, you know, that would be. I think that that. I think you're right on there. Actually, um, it's what it should be. Uh, we've always tried to achieve that. Um, I think where we kind of got a little buggered up was um, when we added that employee, and then we paid him too much. Uh, not knowing where to start, but then, you know, it's so hard to even hire someone here for $20, you know, like to even have them show up and <laughs> make no, it at I least 20%. The cost of living on the islands has got to be phenomenal. I mean, just- It is. I don't know how these other businesses do it, uh, to be honest with you. I mean- yeah. And for, uh, for all the headaches that employees cause, yeah. they do cause <laughs> a lot. I used to, I had an employee, he was a good, good guy, a good employee. I decided not to go that route because I was spending all of my time training and, and overseeing and doing yeah. the administrative stuff. I'm much happier doing solo. I I agree. And I, mean, um, I, I mean, think I that grow past a certain range because there's only me, but I'm happy that way. And not everybody wants to grow. Well, as a powder coater, you're in control of the end product and you know your reputation is on the line there's a lot of reasons to not add an extra person 
I noticed that we went. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's it's an art form. I mean, it It is doing is art and it's not easily replaced. Unfortunately, it's not respected as art. But yes, um, that's kind of what the problem is, is we're trying to, I think, ultimately, you know, especially with the directory, you know, uh, that we just launched uh, is, you know, to 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 educate that consumer that it is art, um, um, especially when you really great idea too. Yeah, we're gonna probably talk about it soon. I just haven't found the right slot um, to talk about it, but I think it's coming up. Um, I'm gonna get Danielle Miller on the line, um, and uh, her and I will talk about that later. But. yeah, I mean that's that it's it's just educating the consumer. I think once consumers can get that in their heads, they'll pay more <laughs> for you know. So this 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 wall that powder coaters keep running into um, is just to me an educational problem or something that can get resolved with it with creating and crafting a new understanding through marketing and sales. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the directory will accomplish that. Um, well, and there's the thing that people want to, you know, when they're building cars and things like that, they always figured that liquid paint was the only place that was custom. Mm-hmm. And powder was what the guys did because they couldn't paint. And there are powder coaters out there that are producing flat out artwork. I mean, I see pictures of stuff on Instagram and on YouTube and in the pages, and I'm just, that's sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that news, that's got to get out to the communities, to the people out there, so that they know that yeah, these people, they are artists. They really are. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing that I don't know if you follow uh, Powder Works on Instagram. So shout out to Powder Works. They're out of Calgary or Canada. I know they're out of, yeah, I think it's Calgary. Um, that guy or those guys, they post it's a different rim and a lot of black, but every time they post a black rim, it looks like artwork to me. I don't know what it is. It's such a simple post. It's just, you know, sometimes they'll tell a story and put multiple slides in there and stuff like that. Um, they could post a black rim every day and every day it looks like something new I've never seen before. <laughs> and I, I just a shout out to them because if you don't follow them, I think you should because there's something they're doing right. It's so straightforward and simple and beautiful in and of itself, you know? Awesome. You know, uh, they're not trying to be like Roro or Blast Coatings or, you know, or any of the other, you know, GTZ, you know, all those other guys and static coatings too. They're just doing the simple rim with the simple color. The other day they did, I think yesterday they did red, which was like, oh, you never do red. You always do black, you know, but you know, they're telling a story and it doesn't matter. They just get a million, you know, they get lots of clicks and likes because of that. It's just a simple story, you know? If it's quality, it doesn't matter what color it is. I think that that's what it is. It's just like it's a flawless rim, and that's what they're trying. That's that's what they're capturing on the camera, you know, or on their or in their image. 
So anyways, moving on, yes. So I think we can all agree that um, a good percentage of profitability percentage is between uh, 10 and 15%, right? Yeah, I think that that's totally ideal. And that, you know, it's good that we're kind of establishing these um, these things because, uh, you know, I don't think anybody, it, it is such a rare bird, powder coating and manufacturing. I don't know. I mean, a lot of these industrialists already know or generational powder coaters, they know that stuff, but they're not sharing it with us, right? Right. So um, it's good that we're just establishing these answers today on this podcast. Now, there are there are ways that you can boost that bottom line. I mean, obviously, keeping track of your money is really important because there are things that you can deduct as a small business owner that you can't deduct as an employee. So when you're comparing the fact that, oh, geez, I was making $75,000 a year in my job, but this business is only producing twenty five dollars for me. Then you go back and you look at all the things that you get to deduct that you mm-hmm. couldn't deduct before. Right. And you're going to find and, and, you know, mentally add those back in. Well, I got my, got most of my cell phone paid for. I got mileage paid for. I got, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, part of my office that's in my house is, is deductible. Um, there's so many items that you can, um, Boost that bottom line. If but you're technically, you can write off part of your garage if you're doing that. Or if you dedicate good the entire point. building, you can write that off. And that's the mm-hmm. electricity's. Uh, there's so many things that you have that option. You do have to be careful about businesses on your home property, though, because you can lose your homesteading exemption. So ah, okay. you have to be very careful. That's going to depend on the state. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the state. Um. There's, you know, yeah, and yeah, it depends on, it, it depends on actually not even, well, it depends on the state, but it also depends on your locality. So you know, I got to know the rules of the game before you start or as you begin to start, find out everything you need to find. The way to do that is really to see a CPA and okay. a good CPA will have a list for you. <laughs> this is, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is, you know, this is, um, this is going to get you in trouble. This is going to keep you on the up and up. Um, so, and just spend an hour in a consultation and okay. find out everything. But when you make the appointment, make that appointment and say, I want to know what I can do, what I can't do. I want a down and dirty meeting so that you know, you're only paying the $150 or $250 an hour and you're doing it for one hour or two hours if you have to. Get it all up front so that you know the rules of the game because you will shift your thinking in in your purchases and how you proceed going forward strategically with your business, um, all based on those rules. And that that's what I do. As I I I go in and I teach my business owners, this is the rule, this is the rule, this is the rule, this is the rule. So how can we make this a deductible item? How can we justify this? Because if you can justify it legally, you can take it on your books. Now the IRS may come back and say, yeah, we don't think so. I mean, that's where you hear these cases that come up and some of them win and some of them lose. But 
you know, having that justification, this is the business purpose of this particular thing. I was marketing or I was advertising. It looks like a charitable donation, but I had a table out there. I had my business cards there. I had my marketing materials and I was selling at the same time, even though I gave a charitable donation to this place, it was more of a table rental. You know, there, I mean, there are all kinds of wow different ways to justify things. Um, you know, there's, there are, I mean, I've run into a lot of situations. Um, sometimes we have to run and buy a CPA and say, technically, is this, can I do this? And find out because you've run into all kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, this, well, I was thinking like when I first started, I don't know, I just get these things in my head and I think that that's, I just sometimes assume things. And I was thinking, I need to make a certain amount of money before I, a, a CPA will even meet with me. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you'll just make your money. I a CPA will take your money. Take your money. He didn't yeah. to make it. He's going to take your money. <laughs> I guess so. You know, I just felt like I had to make a certain, you know, like, if, you know, if you don't, if you don't know the rules, you're going to lose money. You're leaving money on the table. Yeah. Um, a good training. You can get a, you can get books. I mean, there's, uh, there's Sandy Botkin puts out some good books. Um, I don't know if I have his book up there, but there's, I've got a bunch of them. I get them and I go through them and I look at them and I find different strategies that people are using. And yeah. some, of them, some of them blow my mind because I go, wow, I didn't know that was deductible. And here I've been in this business for 30 years, you know, ah, that works. There's a yeah. Oh yeah, but I don't, yeah, but well, actually I took, um, a training course with these people mm -hmm. and that was, it was a good, it was a good course. That's what all those books are up there. So I read a lot. Okay. Let's switch over to accounting software. Like, so let me tell you my story here. I bought QuickBooks 2007. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then, and, and said, I need to get an accounting software because prior to that, you know, of course, this was before we got into powder coating, but I mean, seriously, um, we were still refinishing furniture and doing interior design and stuff. So of course the need kind of presented itself and then it promptly sat on the shelf for four years, <laughs> or at least a good three, before I actually dropped the little CD in my in my computer and uploaded <laughs> the the application. So um, that's how like my head in the sand I was with accounting software. Um, that's how everybody is. And yeah, you've been you've been um, you've been told by Intuit that you can do it yourself. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. If you don't, have any, <laughs> you don't have any accounting experience and you don't have any knowledge of how an accounting system works, you can't do it yourself. Now, you can get somebody like me who goes in there, sets it up for you, sets it up properly. Well, that was because, mistake number one because I did it I, wrong, yep. They have this wizard, okay? This wizard is like, like the the most basic thing you can possibly imagine. But you get somebody like me in there and 
I have I have a file. I upload it and then I just go through and I delete the accounts that I don't need for your particular business or add the accounts that I need. Yeah, there's so much in there I don't use or need and it just bungles up and, you know, just makes it even harder to sift through what I need when I need it, you know. And and then um, and then you need somebody to teach you. Now, I've I've trained people in anywhere from eight hours to 16 hours and some people will never catch on mm-hmm. but eight hours to 16 hours is, of training is what it really takes because you need to have hands-on experience just like anything we are we are doers we're creatures of habit so you teach them the habit and then they can do it on their own and they will run into minimum problems and then at the end of the year have somebody look at the file before you go and submit it for your taxes, because you could have a whopping error in there. Yeah, I pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much like handle my own QuickBooks, but then I have a bookkeeper come in and check me to make sure that Is that she, things look certified. Um, I I think so. Certified hmm. for a long time. I'm a certified bookkeeper. I'm a certified QuickBooks specialist. I'm certified, what else? I'm certified zero. zero. I have a bachelor's degree. I, um, wow, that's crazy. I, I, you know, I was, I have a lot of, lot of experience. Right. Um, so that's a good question to ask then. It's like, well, I, I mean, she's one of the only bookkeepers on the island and she's one of the largest and she comes, she, probably, you know, she's probably, yeah, good. I'm pretty there sure she, of, she works under of, a CPA. So she's got her like, you know, so she's, that's yeah. great. That's exactly, that, that's a good sign, right? That's a, good <laughs> sign. That's a yeah. really good sign. Yeah. Now, yeah. my advice in choosing somebody to do your books is to see if they're certified. If they're not certified, I'd be really careful. Okay. Um, you can get a certification very easily. You go to the AIPB, you pay a fee, they train you and they give you a test and boom, that's it. And it's really not that expensive. But the AIPB is the American Institute of Professional Bookkeepers. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can do that they can get, and they can get certified, but they teach them taxes. They teach them how to record things. They, I mean, they'll teach you all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm not sure what their current curriculum is, but I looked into it years ago, um, and I still get their, um, their I subscribe to their newsletter, so I get any updates that come through. Um, so any new laws that are passed, new ways to do things, I find out right away. Yeah. Um, so that's and then so but uh, okay. So so that's an okay strategy, right? What I'm doing, like we're just um, doing the data entry ourselves. We're making sure that we're reconciling every month. Um, all accounts. So oh. that includes credit cards and um, checkings and savings accounts um, and stuff like that. We do also have within QuickBooks, uh, just because of my rate is so good uh, with QuickBooks, we actually have our credit card processing and merchant um, account with them as well. Um, so we use, we have it on the iPhone or the, his phone is Android. So we have that all connected, which is nice. It's convenient for me because if I were using Square or Stripe or some of the other, um, you know, yeah. then I'd have to import it and stuff. And that doesn't always mesh up with, you know, 
QuickBooks doesn't have really good API software. Right. So, uh, so it works for me. Um, and they t try to take keep it seamless. Um, it seems to work and their rates are pretty affordable. I'm not recommending that for everyone. It just happened that I got a good deal and I'm st sticking with it until things change. But um, there is a learning curve to QuickBooks. I don't have QuickBooks online. I have heard, you know, I can understand why some people will go there and, and do that. But personally, for me, um, I don't, you know, I don't mind people seeing, I don't mind platforms being able to see social profiles or where I'm searching online. But when it comes to my personal financial stuff, I have a real big issue with that. And that's why I use the desktop version. I think one of the biggest issues with QBO is if you mess things up, you can't go back and fix it. Well, you know, you have to fix it. Uh, well, you yeah. have to, you ha typically you'll hire somebody like me to go in there and fix it because well, that's a good point but um the desktop has the capability of the capability of making a backup so you make a backup mm -hmm. before you go and do this silly thing that you're thinking of doing <laughs> and then if it doesn't work out you can just restore that backup that's yeah. the thing about the desktop. i actually i actually pay for the the data the what is it called the quickbooks intuit data protect i actually pay for the data protect and it's just because I do so much all over the place. Like I've got, I got stuff for Dropbox. Like I, I do triple backup, you know. Um, but I like the data protect. It's kind of one of those catch-all things um, for my, you know, because it, the data protect doesn't just protect the the QuickBooks files. It protects the whole backup. It backs up the whole computer. So it could be your desktop or your, you know, your files within Explorer or whatever. It's everywhere, which is nice, you know. How often does it back up? Uh, every day, uh, except for it's broken right now. <laughs> and I think it's broken because I've hit my limit and I, I host all of my, I've, I'm, I've got all the, you know, the video files on my desktop from, from the podcast. So it's all. Oh. You know, so I got to move that off and get it into Dropbox so that I, I can free up all this data because I think I've exceeded. So now it's stopped backing up. But it, I know I can fix that. It's just a matter That's of moving the files. But even, even still, you have the capability to back up every every minute if you wanted to. You know, if you mm -hmm. wanted to go in there and play with your file and test it out and see, well, can I do this better? Or, or say I want to connect it with something outside. Okay, and it doesn't work, I can undo it. Yeah. You can't do that in QBO. And that is its biggest weakness. And that's any online software's biggest, biggest weakness. Yeah. Live. Well, it's funny because yeah, technically software applications can be undone. Uh, you just go back in the history, right? Um, well, you know, I've, I've I built a few apps myself and I know I can do that. Um, but you know, I use a really great piece of software called the QBox. All of my QuickBooks software files are in the QBox. Mm. So every time I close it out, it syncs up to the QBox right on my desktop and online. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now it doesn't sync the entire file. It only syncs what you just did. So it's not like somebody could steal your data. Okay. So I have that backup always there. I can go online and restore to the last time I synced. 
Um, so that, that particular sock was only $12 a month worth every penny. Worth every yeah, penny. I bet. The last thing you want to do is have to rebuild your accounting file. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Oh. Yeah. It also, it also allows her, with her remote customers who are also on the queue box, everything that they do in-house gets synced back up. She can access it and work on her files from her office here. Yeah. And when she closes it, it syncs it up and they it's have nice. the information that's updated. It, 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 it really is nice. It changed my world a lot when, when I switched out, when they first came out with it, it was like, when I first heard of it, it was like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, I don't have to take a thumb drive because that's what us accountants were doing. We're taking thumb drives on site, taking a backup of the client's file and taking it back to our office work. And those are temperamental back. too, like, you know, right? spill a coffee in your purse it's over it was <laughs> back then i refused to use qbo because it was not ready they yeah. they released qbo way too fast it was not ready and it wasn't the desktop the desktop is still us accountants have a love affair with it it is yeah. the most wonderful piece of software out there for cheap money for small business yeah and i think you're bringing up a really good point and that is if you are going to work with a bookkeeper make sure that it's that there is some way for them to either log in online like i use a pc anywhere it's not my choice of programs but that's what my bookkeepers used to so just know that you're going to have to probably sign up for some kind of level of uh remote especially now with covid and everything having some level of access to your desktop remotely to help your you know, so that your your bookkeeper can log in online or go see some other accounts like she does. Um, sometimes I need help filing um, uh, my uh, taxes. And so she can log in online using my computer and, you know, all my accounts and stuff like that. It's already in there. One of the other things I use, and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this before, but I use Trello. Have you heard of Trello? Yes, I have. I don't remember. I don't remember. I heard it on Process Street, but I don't because they were they were raving about it at one point in time. And I can't remember what kind of software it was, though. I just remember the name. Yeah. Trello board. Uh, Trello is a what they call a Kanban board. It's kind of a weird name. I'm task, sure it means it something. Task management. Task management. It can be used for task management. That's what I was using, I think. I basically think like I use it is if. If something were to happen to me tomorrow and Ross needed, you know, who doesn't want to touch any of that stuff or doesn't know what the logins are or anything, it's kind of like my little safe box for how the company runs, right? Where's our account? How do we log into it? How do we order powder supplies? How do we hire an employee? How do we... Uh, who, who, are, who are our leases under and stuff like that? So it's kind of houses and tasks at the same time i was using, yeah i was using that when i was building quick academy yeah yeah so and also you can share it you can share boards with other people so for instance i hired someone to help me with the social media and um i'm just sharing one board with her right so she's not seeing all my boards um like my financial board or anything like that um, she's just seeing the social media board so that she can see what she needs to do. 
um, and stuff like that. So it's it's really useful. And you if you do it right, you should just be living on that platform because everything is sort of like the hub. Uh, it's hard for me. Sometimes I just use it mostly as a storage uh, facility for, for passwords and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a convenient place to put everything because prior to that, I just had everything, passwords and stuff in a book. You know what I mean? It just wanted to get rid of that. Um, so I, I use Trello, um, but, you know, there's lots of other, like we're talking about different kinds of software. But let's talk about like other kinds of software outside of QuickBooks. There are, a, there's Zero, right? Is that one? Zero, yeah. I am a certified partner for Zero. Um, Zero is a little more complicated, but it is a lot more. Um, it's a step up. Yeah, it's it's really a step up in power. Yeah, you can do a lot more things with it. It has its limitations. I mean, they are a. Um, I think it's, it's either Australian or New Zealand company, but they're they're now located in San Francisco. They have an office in San Francisco. I was UK, but no. Um, and they're they sophisticated in the sense that their reports are better. You can create reports in it, like design reports. It's, it's wow, so it's nice. Um, Zero's philosophy is that you cannot do it alone, so they allow the user, uh, the business owner, or the business itself to have certain things accessible to them. The rest is accessible through the accounting firm. Okay, so like one of the things that bugs me about zero is that I can't get percentages on a balance sheet or a PL without dumping it into Excel and calculating it myself. Oh wow. Unless I use the partner portal. Okay. So that that's me. I can go in and I can create a report that provides what I need. Um, that's just kind of, I don't know, kind of hokey. Okay, yeah. I think that's kind of hokey. I mean, really, you should have percentages on every single report if you want them. Yeah, you business owners should button. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, yeah, and, you know. I think they're kind of assuming that everybody's going to have an accountant working for them all the time. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, it's not not like, realistic. I mean, it? we kind of ad hoc. About eighty percent of the businesses in the United States are what they consider small businesses, and that's up to what? What's the million dollar range? Oh, I see that. Like oh, small business is five hundred or less employees. So that's still small business. Yeah. Or is yeah. it a hundred? Hundred employees no, or less, or something like that, yeah. is still considered small business. Small to medium is is yeah five hundred or less. Yeah, that's, that's a big place. I mean, yeah. in my real job, when I'm not in the shop, um, I work for a truck a trucking company, and they have like maybe 600 people. You know, that's a big, pretty good sized carrier. Yeah. But when people think small business, they don't really, really look at a carrier like that and think, well, they're just outside of the range of what the government thinks is small business. Oh yeah, no, we're like micro, we're micro small business. That's who we are. Uh, so as far as that software is concerned, yeah. The, there the are some pitfalls. There, there is one other thing my CPA told me, cause I do, I take my taxes and I don't, 
I don't do text. I don't, I can't keep up with them. Um, and they have the software and it's very expensive software. So it's not yeah. for me to do it. So um, she, she, uh, she told me that they now have, have a rule with the IRS that says they can ask you for your QuickBooks file, which is a disaster for any CPA firm if the, if, if the IRS were to say, well, we want your file. Well, no, you have to do the discovery part and tell us what you, what you yeah. want to see. Well, they bypassed us. That is the that is the biggest weakness, as far as I'm concerned, on QBO and the desktop. Okay, so um, one of she uses um, Sage uh, Sage Fifty, um, which is called Peachtree. I used to use it. Peachtree, okay. Um, because they can't request it. Zero, they can't request it with zero. Um, it, QuickBooks is the only one they can. Um, it's not fair, to be honest with you. It, it, it leaves so it doesn't matter. I got it on my desktop, and they can, you know, they, they, nope, they, can, they can just request it. But they, we got audited back in 2014. Actually, I did. It was my company. It wasn't the powder coating company. Um, and uh, I just, I made a lot of money that year. I didn't make a lot of profit, but I made a lot of money. And um, uh it was crazy having to go through that process. I mean, it was on one thing, it was like, I don't want to say it was enjoyable on any level, but it was definitely educational. Like what you have to go through to prove an, an audit, you know what I mean? And in, in the end, I ended up getting money back. <laughs> Cause, That's cool. Uh, yeah. Um, because uh, I proved it so well, and then they realized that I actually had that, you know, so they, they realized something else was not enough, and I ended up getting like $2,500 back, which, you know, I guess in terms of time that I spent, it probably, I spent at least that much money and time on my effort trying to, you know, and you have to break it down to a kindergarten level. I mean, they literally want you to see, you know, they want to see this and then this, and then this, you know, and it's, and it was just over two silly subcontractors that I'd hired that year. They wanted to see the invoice and the check um, and, and stuff like that. Right. What's that? And the 1099. Uh, yeah. 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 Which I had, you know, I mean, I don't even know what kind of made them. I don't know. I guess I got red flagged or whatever. It wasn't, there's a lottery every year uh, and maybe yeah exactly there's probably percentage points of people um yeah otherwise it's if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year or more on your top line you mm -hmm. have a higher risk of getting audited right but that's yeah. only for the remaining like what two or three percent so i think they audit oh yeah saving receipts save everything save everything yeah that's another one that we should talk about too it's like do you recommend all this like scanning and stuff like that i mean they need they want the original receipt they will not accept a scanned receipt you need to keep the original don't throw them away yeah some of those like food receipts always fade out you notice that 
They do. So what I do is I make a copy and I take my original to the copy. We used to do that corporate. We used to do that corporate with, with we, we had a hundred people who had expense report, reports. And we used to do that because we couldn't take the risk of, of maybe, you know, because it hits the sunlight and mm-hmm. they or somebody uses a highlighter on them. That's a really good one because that they'll yeah. fade in days. Right. Um, yeah. Stored in an area that's too hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, make a copy of it, but you still have the original. So yeah, they can okay. actually see the original next to the copy. Okay. It's just a, it's that's a, a good strategy. Yeah. The extra few minutes it takes to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, plus it makes them easier to organize. Yeah, because you put them I, on a, a regular sheet of paper. Yeah, I was watching TV or listening a, to videos. She'll get a new client that comes in with six shoebox full of receipts. And yeah, I will sit down and at the kitchen table and I'll put them in chronological order. And then I'll take a bunch of copy paper and I'll put the receipt on the piece of paper and I'll tape it to the piece of paper. One receipt per page. Oh, yeah, and you can't, the, tape, the tape can't go on anywhere on the print either because that'll yeah, fade it it'll real fast. It. True, right. there's lots of acids in yeah. tape. Mm-hmm. But then they're stacked on a piece of paper and you can put them, you can bind them, put them in a binder, you can put them in a folder. You don't have this big clump of little bitty receipts down oh, at the bottom that you, you can't, can't figure out. I can't work with those. I can organize them easier. It's actually faster than if I were working with those little pieces of, those little pieces of paper. I'm, mm-hmm. it, it, drove, it was driving me crazy in the beginning. I said, I can figure something out here. And mm-hmm. taping them to the paper and having the copy to look at made it so much easier. And I can write on the copy if I wanted to. Oh, that's, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and say, well, you know, this is actually this, or, you know, I'm charging this to this and that. And yeah, I mean, it just, it's, it's simpler. We, like, we used to do that for a $25 million business. I mean, it just made sense. And then you don't lose anything because, you know, those little pieces of paper, they fall off. Um, and they're all in one place. And, you know, this yeah. is not really, really, um, what is the word? OCD. OCD. OCD, yeah. Yeah. It's a time saver. It's a time saver. It is when you're audited because I had to go back and, I mean, that's what made it so hard was you know, trying to find out, uh, we had to prove like our assets and stuff. And so like, you know, um, you know, the compressor and, you know, they wanted to know some of Ross's fixed assets. I think the only thing we got (laughs) Ross, Ross wanted to write off his motorcycle and that didn't work. They, they did not Nobody can take mileage if if, if it can he's be done. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So even though he had powder coated some parts on there, <laughs> um, but but he can take yeah, mileage. So and, if and, it was under Maui Powder you, Works, but it was under his name, so that's. Are you, the, are you an LLC or an S corp? LLC. Why are you still an LLC? I'm asking myself a lot, that question a lot these days, because uh, we're about ready to launch the patina powder coat, and um, I'm thinking we're going to need an S-Corp here pretty soon. Um, You can't can't pick a better time. 
It's only what the fifth of December. Is it the fifth? Yeah, it's yeah. the fifth. You got 26 days to do it and start January 1st as an S Corp. The one thing January about January 1st of 2020. 2021. Oh, yeah. Not backdated. I'm sorry. So you can't retro. You're saying I, I can. You can't do it. To huh? You, you have to do it. You have to submit the application to the IRS when they. Oh, OK. So if you're that's a good point. So like if you are going to make a change, you want to do it at least at the very latest December so that when you start your calendar year in January, you're already you're not transitioning halfway through the year. Very good point. Very right. good point. Because then you have to file two tax returns. Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, uh, nobody wants to do that. But the LLC you have to pay the self-employment tax. Okay, the 15.3%. Yeah. In an S Corp, you only pay this, you 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 pay it because it comes out of a paycheck. Right. But you get other benefits and it, it works out a couple just on mine alone, it's a few thousand dollars a year, I say. Wow. I, used, I, I had my 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 CPA give me a I want to know what I'm saving to go to an S-Corp. Mm -hmm. As far as I'm concerned, the tax return's more expensive. So what, what are you saving me? Right. Uh, and so it does save some money. Um, but you're having to file more to taxes. You have to file personal now if you are corp, right? Well, you still have to file personal anyway. Well, right now we kind of roll it all into the 1090, oh, 10, yes. 1040 and, and then profit and loss. C, schedule and C. It's due March, March yeah. 15th instead of April 15th. Yes, it is a separate return. I've seen them charge anywhere from 400 to $700 for that return. Okay. Then you have your personal return and it comes through onto that return, the numbers that are generated by that. It makes it a little more complicated, and it's honestly a really dumb thing for the IRS to do. I don't know why they don't just put it all April 15th, because the CPA is trying to get those things out March 15th. They're running like chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah, yeah. Because no, everybody comes, because not only are you got the personal, but now you got this short window of time to get these small business owners to get their escort paperwork in. And that's, right. that's hard. Some of them aren't even finished wrapping up. Well, that's something to think about then. I'll, I'll have to have a conversation with Ross. Um, okay, so let's break it down into some, let's, let's see what, uh, okay. This is a good one. Uh, talking, going back to talking about QuickBooks and setting up QuickBooks. I didn't do it right. As you, we discussed earlier, how it's like it gives you, you have to pick a certain business and then, you know, you don't fit into any of those categories being a powder coater. So where do you start, right? So you're a, man um, you're a manufacturing firm, I would consider. Yeah, I started, a, I used construction, so I shouldn't have done that, but that works too, but it's a little more complicated. Manufacturing yeah. complicated. You can even go in as a service, okay? Right. It's basically a service but you have different components, but the chart of accounts doesn't make that much of a difference, okay? They're going to lay it out in a certain way. You have to customize every one of those files. Not, yeah. 
can't just run with. And now I have a bunch of files I don't even use, so I have to make them inactive and and stuff. You know, for for service categories, you know, like what we're. Um, don't so yeah, like in the chart of accounts, like that's this is where I have a hard time because we do a lot of RIMs, right? We have personal projects, people, you know, whether it's a table or a chair or, you know, anything else, um, just miscellaneous stuff. Then we've got like gates and railings. Um, I mean, how do you, how do I, being that we do so many different kinds of projects, is it, you know, there's resto projects, then there's new construction or new custom, uh, you know, uh, welded stuff. How do we break that down? We don't really need to, it's not. You want what, what, to, to know the cost of that particular project or job or how do you break that down in QuickBooks? Do you charge it to inventory or cost of goods sold? Um, you're going to charge it all to cost of goods sold and do a physical inventory at the end of the year. And, you know, yeah, they're going to be open boxes of powder that you're going to have to say, well, there's half a box here. It cost me $45. I'm going to have to take $22.50 and put it to cost of goods sold. And the other $22.50 goes into inventory. So, yeah, you have to have a little bit of a complex inventory. But it's really not that bad compared to like real manufacturing where you have to put in labor and overhead and everything else. So it's um, when you when you purchase something, you want to charge it to cost of goods sold. You are required by law every year at the end of the year to do a physical inventory because so, you need to be able to adjust to um, to prove it to the IRS if you ever audited it. So you have to do a physical inventory. And those are the things that you purchased yourself, not client parts that come in, even though you're responsible for them, okay? Things that you purchased for the business, you have to have a value on those for inventory. And that is only, not fixed assets, I'm talking strictly things you purchased to produce your product, okay? Sanding discs, chemical stripper. Um, Media. I would consider those shop supplies. Okay. You know, unless you have, unless that's all you do. Supplies, and yeah. you have like, you know, $1,000 worth or a couple hundred dollars worth of it. Um, but you're going to go in and you're going to say, okay, I have all this powder at each, you know, box. You can put a little tag on it and say 12, 31, 20. I estimated this to be worth $35 because the I know the box cost me, let's say $50. I don't know what the powders cost we haven't discussed pounds, that yet. 200 plus. Theirs cost is a lot more because they got to ship from the mainland. Okay, so let's say two. <laughs> okay, so two hundred dollars is a full box. I've got a half a box here. This value on this box is a hundred dollars. Now you think it's crazy? You go into these stores. You go to a real retail store. You know those little inventory tags that they have. They have to do that for every single item. It's not just for to see what they've got on stock so that they can, you know, put it out. Right. From, it puts yeah. value on what they have. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's so that they know at the end of the year. I used to hate happened. that. January was inventory month. I hated retail for that, for that month alone. Because unfortunately it's not deductible in on your PL in that particular year 
whatever's in inventory. It just kind of sits there. It's money you spent and you put it there, but you haven't used it to produce product yet. So it has to sit there until you use it. But can't you just mark it all as cost of goods um, and have your customer absorb that cost? I mean, if I, I mean, outside of black and white and primer uh, and maybe a handful of silvers or something like that, we have limited, we have like, we have our in-stock powders that we're advertising as in-stock and we could mark those as cost of goods. Uh, then you, then but you're then if, it, if we have like a bronze that comes in for a, a, you know, somebody chose, you know, some architect chose this bronze for this job and we don't use it all. Say we have to order like 20 pounds or something like that. We don't use it all. I mean, it's absorbed through the business. That's, that's, I mean, through the, through the, I, I have to charge, I have to charge my client for that box. That's fine. So, so you've charged the client for the box, but you still have the remaining powder. Which you can use for something else. Exactly. That's my you, point. When you can use that for something else is when you can. But why even acknowledge that in the first place? Because like it'll be Ross's choice if he wants to charge the customer for powder or not that time. Um, most of the time we try to. I hate. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. This is kind of an interesting way like i don't how custom coders charge for powder um but we double triple charge sometimes just you well, know because it's there we can the rules of the game for the irs is if you purchased it to use on the product and all of it's not used i mean i'm not talking like that much in a box i'm talking a significant chunk of money mm -hmm. you know hundred dollars is a significant chunk of money you can't cost that out because it becomes a tax deduction and, and you can still use that product on something else. Now, there is one way you can, and that is if it's sat on your inventory shelves for a couple of years and it is considered an inactive part, you can write it off as no cost. It has a no cost um, inventory item. So it'll sit there at no cost and you can charge cost of goods sold. But if you ever use that, you have to be able. You have to be able to prove that you can legitimately do that. Isn't it better just to ignore the whole thing and not even do inventory? Like, can't you, you just? You know what? You can do whatever you want. I'm telling you the rule. Yeah. No, I, I get that. The rule I'm is what other powder. I'm gonna put it out there. Like, what are other powder coders doing with their powder? You know. Sure, a lot of them aren't following the way they're supposed to do it. But that is the truth. Now, if you have that much powder, it's not a big deal. You got a half box worth 100 bucks. It is a big deal. I used to work at a manufacturing firm. We had like some of the teeniest, because the, the, the uh, oscillators were about that big. All the little tiny parts that went on that thing, we had to keep those in inventory until they were obsolete. Every single tiny little part. We had thousands of them. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like this is kind of an interesting. As long as you still have the product and you can use it on another on another item, you cannot cost that out. The thing about it is, if you're ordering it for the customer, the customer's paying your price for it. You're paid for it and your cost is covered. So if you have 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 pounds sitting back on the shelf and you got to wait until next year to use it, well, it's already paid for. It's not costing you anything to hold on to it. Another job comes in and you can use it on that job. You can charge that as cost gets sold and you're getting the benefit of the deduction. By accounting accounting for it. Yeah, by accounting for it. So it's a process to follow that does pay you back in the end. Well, in it, it really comes down to a technicality. What year do I put this tax deduction into? That's really the technicality. Can I put it into this year? And if I can't, it goes into inventory until I can put it into a subsequent year. So either, either as a write down for inactive inventory, um, obsolete inventory, or I used it. But with powder, manufacturers are telling you shelf life is, what, six to eight months? Well, if that's the truth, then six to eight months, you can write it off. If it's no longer good. that's within the year, then that might be the solution there. Maybe, except for if it's September. It's not quite six months, is it? I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. As you grow, it may not matter to you right now, but as you grow... It'll be worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Now you get an audit coming in the door. You get whacked. You'll get whacked for that. You'll get whacked for penalties and interest. Why is it worth that? It's not. It's not. It's, it's but worth I have never considered it before. Like Nobody does. Nobody does. Cause they I just thought I'd ignore the problem. It's not a supply, it's inventory, your powder is inventory. Um, you know, little things maybe like, you know, throwaway gloves, nobody tracks those things or, you know, but some your big things, your powder, what else is, um, do you use like big things? That pretty much that's it. Most of it's gonna be, yeah. Most of it's product. Product. Everything else is and gonna be And unless like you buy maybe some sort of you know, like a quantity of some sort of product that you're going to powder coat and then sell the whole product. Okay. Like, um, cut. Right. That's your cut. You're, you're making a product and you're putting powder on it like a manufacturer. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the product also goes into inventory mm-hmm. until you sell it. And then it goes into cost of goods sold, the entire thing. So, how do you propose then? If powder coaters are supposed to inventory powder, uh, how are you supposed to do it? Just get a scale, get a clipboard, (laughs) write the powder name and number down, measure how much is... I don't think you have to get that exact. I'd say I have a a half a box, I have a quarter of a box. Okay. I have a third of a box. You know, I mean... We're talking, we're not, we're talking little dollars when we're talking. Um, you don't have to go that 
but you do have to write down how much you paid for it or how is you it just to. that you're yeah because you're yeah. you have to have an inventory at the end of the year because the irs if you ever audit it that's one of the things they'll say you'd like to see your inventory because the opposite of inventory is cost of goods sold so it's going to go into costs which is a tax deduction so they're going to want to look at that that's one of the big things the other one of the other other big things that they look at the most of is meals and travel mileage travel yeah we got dinged on they, we got dinged on that but then i ended up proving otherwise on that one audit um, yeah. you know a lot of people just say well i drove 10,000 miles oh no you need a log or a mile iq mile iq seems to work for a lot of people i have my log i'm probably losing miles because I, I'm not necessarily putting in all the all the stops I made along the way to pick up office supplies or, you know, right the business on the way, but um, I'm I'm happy with it doing it that way because I don't travel that much. I stay in my office most of the time. Well, Amazon certainly makes it easy to order office supplies without having to go anywhere, right? solve our problem there <laughs> they do but there's always the last minute oh no i forgot to pick that up yeah so, you know uh let's get into estimating restoration jobs um or just estimating time uh labor powder to a job i mean ross seems to he just has some magical power where he can just look at a job and know right off the top of his head, like how much that job's going to cost. Uh, he even mentioned it in, I think, one of the earlier podcasts we did on uh, knowing your worth. There's a guy on a show, I think, I'm not sure if it's Discovery or History Channel or whatever, where they go and they restore they do all kinds of restoration projects and American, stuff. And the guy, is, yeah. yeah. And the, the guy is just like <clears throat> Ross. He's very good at just looking and spying something and just like, it's going to cost you at least this much. Right. But not, it's not that easy when you're not that good at it, or you just draw a blank when you're looking at something. That's um, those things where experience is your teacher. Um, True. If if you have, uh, I'm going to relate this to powder coating, but it works in other ways. If you have something that's similar, or something that that's similar size, say somebody brings you a piece that you've never seen before, but it's the size of an intake manifold, and you charge hundred and a quarter to do an intake manifold, you figure your powder and your time and everything else is going to be about the same. Uh, so you relate it to what your experience is. Um, mm -hmm. and also, uh, when you're doing things over and over and over, somebody, I got a set of 18-inch wheels. You know what that's going to cost. Um, construction jobs are the same way. You know, I want to build a 10 by 10 barn. You know what lumber costs. You know how many. You know how many hours. How many people it's going to cost you to, um, you know, in labor to to put it up, and you can give the customer that. So it's. It's just one of those things that you you have to practice to get good at. Since you did uh, 
restorations before and you were in the painting business and things like that, all that experience that he has has come into play. And that's why it's so easy for him. Um, and I always kind of challenge him because oh, oh. like I'm the QuickBooks queen and I'm thinking you can pop that stuff into a QuickBooks uh, and have it if you get it done right mm -hmm. when you set up the category um, and I may not be saying that right, but like, you know, that service, uh, you should be able to have that already. And I know there is that debate on uh, linear foot that'll always come up in the Facebook groups. You know, I've got these parts and I got this much linear feet or square feet or cube feet or whatever, you know, and I, 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 I should I think that it should be just be used as a as sort of a checks and balances right because you've got it in your head this is what you want to charge and then you go to your QuickBooks and there's a formula in there where there's a you know one foot equals XYZ and it's a way to kind of double check it so I think having a double a way to double check especially restoration jobs um, and this is something that I didn't consider until we interviewed um, Jeff Taylor on episode 15, where we were talking about rust and analyzing rust and all the different um, specs on how severe rust is or can be when you're looking at a job, you know, like a rim job or, or a railing job or whatever, you know, and that should also calculate into your estimation price because it's going to take longer to blast it to that nace level or that white metal level, right? And um, and stuff. So it, it, that was a, a new kind of insight that I didn't have before um, when estimating. Um, there's lots of factors uh, in all of that. And I think that that's a, just one of, going to be one of those like continuing debates on charging enough and then you've got your competition down the street that's doing it for half price, whatever, you know. Well, if you've sat down and figured out what it's going to cost you to do it, mm -hmm. and you're putting an estimate out on that, and the guy down the street's doing it half price, you feel real comfortable in the fact that he's losing money. Yeah. That's what I know. There are a lot of guys who do the undercutting thing, and then what happens is they end up going out of business after a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, they'll, they'll cut their, their cut, they'll not cheat, but like Trim they won't do the level of restoration that you think you're getting. Right. Yeah. So you let them do it. You just keep selling your value. What is your value? Your value is your quality, your art. Yeah. They can't do the, do the same thing, you know, go, Go take a look at what the work this guy does and then come back and see the work I do. Right. They, if people figure it out, they end up figuring it out. We had, who was that? That was the guy who did our driveway, was telling us about the, a guy up the street doing the same thing to him. He was, he was um, uh, what was, uh, what would you call, what, was, what would you call his type of work? It, it wasn't construction, but it was, he laid sidewalks and like he did. Oh, it was a concrete. It was concrete. Con concrete. Slurry, slurry, blast, slurry. Yeah. Oh, no, he, was, he was a concrete contractor. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he poured driveways and foundations and, and stuff like that. So, 
he told us that. And he, the guy eventually went out of business. I mean, but unfortunately, everybody else around who's struggling can't seem to find their footing. And your footing is in your quality, in your value, in your service. You know? Um, in your systems. In, in your systems. It's all about systems. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's what makes America so strong in that sense. We're, we're all about systems, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, let's see what were, let's see. Uh, we had, we kind of covered cost of goods and expenses and what the differences are. Um, I think we clarified that uh, pretty well. Um, I think we've, we kind of covered it all. I think so. All those uh, reports, review, profit, loss. Yeah, I mean, it. I, the few weeks you, you gather questions from people because they're going to have a lot of questions. Everybody has a different question for their own different business. Um, and we could get together and answer the questions. But other than that, really, basically, it comes down to you need to get somebody in there to set you up and teach you before you get your hands in there. And then have somebody check it out before you do your taxes. But you, you need to know the basics. Uh, do you have any checklists for tax, end of the year tax stuff? Like, you know, make sure you, you reconcile all your accounts or you do this or you do that. It'd be kind of um, cool if we had like some kind of a checklist for people to go through. Maybe we could pop it in there uh, in a, as a link or something. I have this thing, yeah, called um, it's Let's Get Started, the Rules of the Game. And I do give that out when I, when I sign somebody up. And we go through it. It's like 15 pages long. Okay. And we go through each and every item, what to know, what to track, what to keep, um, you know, just everything I could think of. I threw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the most part, um, powder coating, the business of powder coating is kind of a pretty straightforward business. Um, in terms of it's very clear cut as to what is a cost of good or what is an expense. Some, some businesses kind of not so much. Um, I mean, I'm happy to be doing book work for powder coating versus contracting. I mean, those guys just buried in paperwork. And that's one of the reasons why we got out of contracting yeah. uh, and construction and remodeling and stuff. I spent hours just making copies one for my owner, one for me, files here, files there. It was just nuts, you know, aside from all the facilitating and scheduling and and stuff like that. So construction and manufacturing are the most complicated. Um, and sometimes software. Yeah, <laughs> software development. Yeah, uh, I'm in all three. <laughs> I'm in all three. How crazy am I? Um, yeah. Well, that's but but uh, yeah, powder coating really is actually pretty. It would be simple to teach somebody um, as long as they have the desire to learn and the desire to really do it. 
Um, and not just because they have to, but you really have to want to know the logic behind it because the logic behind it is actually going to be used in your business to help you, to help you grow. Um, and that's why you do it, really. Accounting is not about taxes. I know, I know everybody looks at it as, well, it's because I have to file my tax return. It's not taxes at all. You get an accounting book, and it won't barely even talk to you, I think, about taxes. It's all about the logic and, and the language, it, the, what it's trying to communicate to you. It's speaking to you. Yeah, that's a good point. And, um, you know, what you give your tax guy and what you need for your business in order to make a good decision are two different things. So it's all created by politicians (laughs) and politicians are not logical. Yeah. (laughs) Never more important of a statement than now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Okay, so let's wrap this up and let's put out a... Like, how do people get a hold of you? Um, are you helping people with their powder coating business? Are you, are you just doing all kinds of businesses? Um, I, right now, I'm, I'm, as far as my regulars are concerned, I'm pretty well booked. Um, but I am doing, I still am doing training. I do like half day sessions. Um, and if they want to send me an email, my email address is Linda at plus that's p-l-u-s side s-i-d-e profits p-r-o-f-i-t-s dot com um and i'll get back to you and and just tell me what your your needs are tell me what you desire as far as you know what you need for your system to get up and running and what you need as far as consulting or whatnot so um, I'd love to hear from you yes, and and then what we do is we take it from there. I design something that fits you, not give you something that fits me. Okay. Okay. So yes, that well, I mean, it would, so do you do it in a webinar kind of thing or or like I, a Zoom yes. meeting? Zoom okay. meeting thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. And it's good because I I like it best that way. I've done in person trainings and I've done. Uh, online trainings and the best is online because you can have your hands on the keyboard while I'm telling you what to do. And then you get that yeah, hand eye yeah. thing going. Phonetic uh, learning. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Um, yeah. No, that's great. Maybe, maybe uh, the three of us can get together and, and create a couple of, um, Oh, sorry. Two. <laughs> I can't teach anybody to do anything on the accounting. I got to teach you. You can click QuickBooks and open it up on your computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's my That's level of expertise. And Linda will take it from here. That's right. Um, yeah, maybe I'm we can get support. together on some webinars and stuff. Um, just, just maybe taking a blank, you know, ABC powder coating and creating a webinar on how they would do that, you know, and just put it out there, you know, After tax season. <laughs> I could do that. I could, I could think about it after tax season, the next yeah, week, after tax season, four or five months are going to be nuts. Yeah. yeah. So but I, but trainings, the trainings are always, I can always squeeze them in between things, which is nice. 
Yeah, so just to wrap up, key, uh, the key thing takeaways are the powder inventory and what to do about it. Um, if you're gonna change your tax strategy or your corporation, you know, if you're gonna change your business model, whether it's gonna be LLC or uh, S Corp, now's the time to do it, not next year, because then you'll have to file two different kinds of taxes. So now's the time. And- um, Your CPA about that. Yeah. Yes, start with a CPA. And if you're, you know, uh, thinking about getting a commercial space or making strategic decisions or maybe grow, you know, because a lot of people listening are growing their businesses right now and thinking about these things, right? Should I, is it time for me to get out of the garage? Uh, go see a CPA and just have a one hour meeting or a two hour meeting and say, these are my needs. Can I make this happen? And yep. they'll be able to- well, organized, prepared, know exactly what you're doing to do so you maximize your time on it. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. interject this. A CPA, not H&R Block, not Liberty Tax Service. <laughs> Good point. Not, not Olga down the road that does my taxes. There's a big difference. H&R Block, Liberty Tax Service, those people, and I don't say this as a, as, as a pejorative, I really don't, but those services they put your numbers into a software. The software does it for them. They are trained to use the software. They are not trained to know tax law. They don't have to know tax law. CPAs, CPAs do continuing education every year. They put the time into it well, to and, learn it. And the, and the reason that you want somebody like that is because for on a personal side, when you're doing your taxes, not a big deal, okay? For a business, when you bring them in these reports and you bring them up in all this stuff, they would never be able, um, somebody at HNBlock and, and those kinds of training programs, because I think those are like eight or 12 week training sessions. They don't teach them accounting, they teach them taxes and how to put them into the system. Um, but if you, if you bring your stuff into a CPA, they will see if something's wrong. Mm. They will know hey, wait a minute, and they will ask the questions and maybe save you thousands of dollars. And believe me, there's not much of a difference in price between the two. Um, if you go to the bigger firms, yeah, you're going to pay a lot of money, but you go to into independent CPA, yeah, there's like one or two people in the office. Um, a lot of them are very good. So, and affordable. Yeah. Um, and I think the final thing that we established was profitability, that you should shoot for 10 to 15% profitability, that it, it can be done. Um, of course, everybody's financial situation is different, but for the most part, um, you should be shooting for at least that percentage uh, every year or every month. Um, so I think that's a great way to wrap up the show. Um, I think that we'd really like to hear the listeners about what they think of of the show. Like, uh, did we not? Did we? Is there something else we could cover on a future show? show? Um, how do they set up their inventory? Some tips on that. I mean, we've been getting a lot of um, comments on the YouTube channel and stuff. So I think that's a, been a really great uh, avenue for people to kind of post their comments 
is to go to the YouTube channel and just uh, type in what they think or what's worked for them. What's working for them in accounting? What, um, what accounting programs are they using? Uh, QuickBooks, Xero, uh, Peachtree, uh, manual, you know, manual systems, whatever. I mean, let's hear it from them, what, what's working and what's not. So thanks so much, you guys. It was great to meet you finally and um, in person. Just reminded me, can I say one more little tip? Yeah. If you don't know QuickBooks and you, you, you can't find somebody or you, you can't do it right now, do it with pen and paper or, or Excel or something like that. Just do it, you know, the, just get it onto something. Because so, your memory, you lose you lose your thoughts and you lose what you paid for this and where you bought mm -hmm. this and, and the fact that you did buy this and, and it costs you money. What's that say? Let's <laughs> go Peaks. Go Peaks. <laughs> okay. That one's around my head. It's over everybody's head. <laughs> <laughs> Or inside, inside joke. Thank you very much for taking <laughs> the interview us. And yeah. really appreciate it. Looking forward to watching some of your videos. Haven't had a chance yet, but I will. Don't worry. We're covering I've lots of subjects. All. I've watched huh? them all. He has watched them all. And yeah. you've got the comments to prove it. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Thank you so much, you guys. And have a wonderful day. Good all luck right. to you. Thanks, Kim. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.